Welcome to this edition of the John Papaloni Show. Today, we have Simon La- uh, Simon Later on the show. Simon, welcome to the show. I almost did it. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, John. Thanks so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here. Absolute pleasure. Why don't we start off the podcast with a description of who you are, what you do, and how you got here? Okay, thank you. Well, uh, I am Simon Later. I am of Flow and Scale. Um, so I help uh, businesses and well, business owners and entrepreneurs um, escape the roller coaster of inconsistent earnings um, and uh, take them from that kind of feast and famine to having a consistent amount of revenue coming into their business um, every month, every quarter. So uh, that's really what I do. And I came to it through, and I still am um, a headhunter. I've been a headhunter for 25 years. I started when I was six, and uh, no, not really. And uh, I've, uh, I have, uh, over that period of time, um, I also experienced the feast and famine of, you know, having an amazing January and then starving in February, and then an amazing March and starving in April. And over the course of uh, the last few years, and in particular during the pandemic, um, we developed a number of systems uh, and a number of strategies that really helped us harmonize our revenue so that every month we have consistent uh, revenue coming in. And over the last year or so, we've helped a number of other clients uh, be able to uh, replicate that. So what we do, we know is transferable to pretty much any industry uh, where you have uh, a high ticket revenue and uh, you want to see that coming in on a consistent basis. Right. Um, with that being said, is a stupid question. Is there any way to actually guarantee the constant uh, revenue source? Like, is it... Uh, you know, is it like, like, is, is it a hundred percent or is there uh, cause I imagine not everything works all the time. A hundred percent. Well, uh, yes and no. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, there are certain things that you just can't predict. Like for example, um, you can't predict um, somebody just, you know, turning around on, on uh, the day before they're meant to sign the, uh, the, uh, uh, the purchase order uh, that they, I don't know, drop dead. Or they, or they get fired, right? So there's always unforeseen. However, what this really rely, what this relies on is fundamentally knowing your percentages and knowing what, um, how many. If you know how many deals you need to close in a quarter, and then know each milestone that leads up to a deal from the very very beginning of you know landing a client, or even the very beginning of um, doing cold outreach or whatever it is that's, that's the very, very top of your funnel. Um, if you know what your percentages are, as long as you're maintaining those percentages, you can pretty much guarantee with a small G um, that you're going to get um, the outcome at the end. Okay. Um, at the end of the day, if you think about it, pretty much everything we do, everything we do in life, uh, we know that if we're doing it right, if we're getting the right outcome, it's simply because we've done a combination of two things. We've done enough of the right things. If we're not being successful, it's simply because what we've done either isn't in, either isn't right or we've not done enough of it. Okay. So what we've basically done is we've taken that concept and just applied it to business, and it works. It's really that simple. Hey, think about it, right? For example, let's say. Um, uh, so, John, what did you have for dinner last night? Uh, we'll say chicken and um, potatoes. Okay. And were you cooking for yourself or were you cooking for others as well? Let's say you cook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's say I cook. Um, yeah, I would have done it uh, for uh, myself and others, we'll say. Okay. Let's say, well, let's say it was you, the missus, maybe two other people, right? Now, sure. because you've done it before, right, you know roughly how many ingredients you need. 
you know, roughly how much time it needs in the oven, you know, and therefore you can track back and go, right, this is the ideal outcome I need. I need enough chicken and potatoes for four people. Therefore, I need to have put it in the oven uh, an hour and 20 minutes before. I need to have spent 10, 15 minutes seasoning it before that. I also know what ingredients I needed. So as long as I've put all of those things in the beginning, you then follow a process at the end of which comes out chicken and potatoes for four people. All right. This is no different to that. You know, for example, you needed to be up fresh, ready for work this morning at a particular time. So you knew tracking back what time you needed to go to sleep, what time you needed to wake up, how long you're going to take in the shower, how long you're going to get dressed, how long you're going to take over breakfast. If there was a commute to the office, how long that was going to take. So you were in work on time, fresh, ready to go. All you did is you took the outcome and then reverse engineered all the way back to what time am I going to go? What time am I going to go to bed? All right. That's all this is. It's looking at the outcome and then reverse engineering all the way back so that we're doing enough of the right things at every step of the way to get that desired outcome. Manufacturing does it. It's no accident that Ford produces exactly the amount of cars that they need every single month. It's no accident that Kellogg's creates exactly the amount of of breakfast cereal it needs to create every month. If Ford can do it, if Kellogg's can do it, and those are far more complex than small businesses, why can't small businesses do it? Well, the answer is they can. They just don't. Right, right, right. Now, I'm sure that in, uh, you know, you deal with objection handling. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, like when all this started, like, like, it's amazing. I, like, I'm intrigued how you went from one business to the other. Sorry, that's why, so I'm, that's of why course. I'm asking these questions. Yeah, of course. Like, I mean, you spent, what, 25 years into one thing, and then you decided to venture off into another. And uh, I'm assuming that you're still doing part of the other stuff as well. Absolutely. I still, I still run my headhunting business, um, and I'm running this. And I also have a successful podcast as well. But using the same principles, we grew from no, zero to it's now a top 0.5% podcast. Uh, we get prob- a plus minus. I think we're, we're now checking in at around 50,000 listeners a month. Um, Fantastic. And, uh, we, were in, uh, we were in the top uh, 0.5%. We're, we're, in, we're a top 0.5% podcast. We were one of Spotify's most shared podcasts in 2022. And a couple of weeks ago, one of the podcast um, hosting, uh, uh, sorry, charting companies emailed us to tell us that we'd broken into the top 100 in Australia, which, by the way, is a com- is a country we've never marketed in. All right, so who knew we're big in Australia? But it's just using these 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 concepts. We had an outcome. We knew what we wanted to do. We knew what the milestones were to get there, and we knew that by doing enough of the right things at each step of the process, it would get to that outcome. So we did. Right, right. So my question was going to be, what was your why? Right, because I mean, a lot of times we can get comfortable, we're happy doing what we're doing, and we just continue doing it, or we're very miserable and we want out of what we're doing and we want to change. You're kind of someone neither. You're just sort of, you know, you know, like it's not like I don't hear you complaining about your other business. So it's one of those things that obviously you just had another idea. So what was your inspiration? Well. I love headhunting, okay, and I, and I, I'm one of those very very few people that are in the recruitment or the uh, the staffing world that got into it in my twenties, and I'm still doing it in my forties, and I love it, okay. There are very very few people that stick at it this long and enjoy it, okay. Um, and I think part of it is because um, within the realm of what we do, my focus is very much around business development. At the end of the day, I'm a sales guy, okay. I enjoy selling. 
I enjoy building sales systems, okay? And during COVID, when we came through, I think it's fair to say for most people, it was probably the biggest economic challenge we'd ever faced, okay? The fact that we came through that and we came through that stronger, we started to blueprint out how could we apply this and then take it and offer it as a blueprint to other businesses. And that's really what sparked the idea. Um, and that's really where Flow and Scale came from. Got it, got it, got it. Now, who's your target audience? Like um, Small businesses. Um, well, it's basically entrepreneurs. So coaches, consultants, small businesses, entrepreneurs. Really anybody, um, really of any size, that is experiencing this uh, this roller coaster, okay? The pain that they're experiencing of, I don't know where my next invoice is going to come from. I don't know, you know, I don't know where my next purchase order is going to come from. I don't know where my next lead is going to come from. Whether or not their lead development is based on, well, hope. And let's be honest, hope ain't a strategy. Or people who recognize that July may have been fantastic. August might be great, but who knows what the heck's going to happen in September, okay? If they can't see further than the end of the month or the end of the quarter, okay? Anyone that's experiencing that the pain that you're experiencing is simply down to a problem, which is you don't have a consistent lead generation strategy, okay? And that consistent lead generation strategy is likely because you don't know what your metricized path to the sale is. You don't have clearly defined milestones and what the conversions between those milestones need to be. You don't have a recipe for success, okay? So, if you're experiencing that pain, it's because almost certainly you are you have that problem. We will help you solve that problem by first of all determining what those metrics need to be, and then giving you or working with you to establish a um, to establish a strategy that will ensure you have a consistent lead flow. And at the end of the day, once you have a consistent lead flow, everything else will follow. All right. I'll tell you something that's the I've tested in my recruitment business and a number of the companies that, that we recruit for, I asked them to test this as well before taking this into flow and scale, right? And here's the thing, right? Most people track outcomes, okay? So for example, in a recruitment business, we might track how many, um, how many people we put out for interview. How many of those first in interviews become second interviews? How many of those interviews become offers? How many of those job offers become accepted um, uh, accepted job offers? Okay. In a sales, let's say you're selling a product, it might be how many um, how many uh, onboarding meetings you have with potential clients. It could be how many strategy calls you have to qualify out whether they're a client or not. Okay. It could be how many proofs of concept turn into a sale. It could be how many first conversations become a proof of concept. There could be a whole different array of things, right? The only thing that you solely control are how many first conversations you have. That's the only thing, okay? Because beyond that, you don't know how married up the what you offer is to the needs of the client. You don't know whether the whether they have a need. You don't know whether or not the need that they have is right now. You know, you know the whole iceberg effect, okay? Yeah. Where it's only the tip of the iceberg of the people that need of all your entire serviceable market, okay? So everybody that could ever possibly have a need, ninety-two percent need it, but not now. 
sorry, might need it, but not now. The top 8% might need it now, okay? And that's an entire addressable market, okay? You've got no control over that, okay? The only thing you have control over is how many first conversations you have, right? So, right. but the thing is, how on earth are you gonna know how many first conversations you need to have? Well, it's very simple. You start off with, okay, I'm gonna map out every step of my process, every gateway, okay? For most people, it'll be something like, right, first conversation determines whether or not it's a qualified opportunity, right? So then a qualified opportunity, maybe we'll do a demo or a proof of concept or something. Then we'll have a follow-up meeting. Then maybe a final meeting that'll be a yay or nay, and then we'll close the sale or we won't, okay? So let's say it's three or four stages, right? So we start out with, okay, well, how many typically, just looking at your numbers, analyzing your data, hopefully people are tracking this sort of thing, how many first conversations? If let's say you have, 20 conversations a month, say. How many of those are converting into qualified opportunities? How many of those qualified opportunities are converting into proofs of concept or demos or whatever it is? How many of those demos are converting into final conversations? How many of those final conversations are converting into sales? Final conversation, contracts, paperwork, whatever, are converting into sales, okay? So once you kind of got those, you then go, right, okay, now I know how many sales, if I do 20 appointments a month, 21st appointments a month, how many of those are gonna turn into sales? Let's say it's one, okay? Let's say I need 20, 20 of those become say, um, 10 of those become five of those, become one of those, fine, that's one sale, say, right? Now what's my average sales um, order value? Let's say you're working big ticket and average sales order value is say $10,000, okay. Do I wanna be a $10,000 a month business? Maybe I wanna be a $20,000 a month, a $30,000 a month, a $50,000 a month business, $100,000 a month business, okay? now. I ain't Albert Einstein, don't even look like him. But even I know that there are only two ways you can increase the amount of revenue coming into your business, okay? There's only two ways, okay? The amount of revenue coming in, not profit, only, amount, only two ways you can use the amount of revenue. You either increase the amount of sales you're doing or you increase the average sales value, okay? Simple yes. as that, or you do both. Ideally, you're doing both, all right? So if I currently have a $10,000, if I do one sale a month, for $10,000 and I want to turn it into a $30,000 business, I could do one of two things. I could either increase my average sales value to $30,000, still only do one, but I'm going to do, do $30,000, or I keep my $10,000 and I do three of them, or a combination of the two. I'll do two at 15, I'll do, you know, I'll do two and a half at whatever the number is, all right? So there's only two things, you, only two or a combination of two things you can do. All right, so then let's say we increase the average order size. We know realistically we're gonna, need, we're gonna top out at say 15. So now I have to do two of them. So how am I gonna do two sales if I, if I was doing 20? How am I gonna do two sales? Well, just do 40 of that first thing, all right? Or maybe do whatever you can to increase the conversions of each of them. Now that's much harder, why? Because you don't control any of that. You've got no control over whether or not the timing is right when you speak to a client. Maybe you can refine it by trying to put more qualifying questions in your initial outreach. Maybe you can do uh, be more intelligent on the markers, the triggers that you put out in the world. So you're only so you're only targeting people where there's a better than likely outcome that they're going to be interested in what you've got to sell. But fundamentally, once you are beyond that initial call, you 
relinquish a lot of the control of what happens next. It's just the nature of things, okay? Right. Because we're introducing factors that are beyond your control, okay? So, very simply, if you want to have consistent output, you need to have consistent input, okay? And if you want to have consistent, if you want to increase that consistent output, there's only two ways you can, there's only two ways you can do it. You either increase the consistent input or increase the quality of what's coming, the, the, the quality of what's coming through the pipeline, okay? And that really, I mean, there's a lot more to it, but that really, in fundamental terms, is it. That's the secret sauce. Makes sense, actually. I you got it, right? I, I get it. So you're right. Twenty people to get one sale. That means if you want two, you need forty. That makes sense, which brings or poses the problem of scalability. Yeah. Right. Right. So scalability really is down to two things. Okay. One is efficiency. Are you really spending the time in your day on the things that you need to be doing? Okay. And we'll we can talk about that in just a minute. Okay. Or do you hire more people? Okay. Now here's the thing. When it comes to, I mean, I've been hiring people professionally for 25 years. All right. Um, you'd be amazed what I could do at six years old. But um, the, 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 the reality is that most business owners, most entrepreneurs try and do everything themselves. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're all, we've all been guilty of it at one time or another. We try to be guilty. We try to do everything ourselves. All right. However, as business owners, we need to be analyzing every minute of every day and determining, am I the single most uniquely qualified person on the planet to be doing this? Okay. So for example, right now, right now, what am I doing for my business? I'm talking to you. Am I the single most uniquely qualified person on the planet to do this? I would say yes. I don't think there's anybody else that could articulate and um, be the ambassador of flow and scale the way I can be. Okay? So yeah, I am the most qualified person to do it. If I'm not, I then have to ask myself a question. What is the, uh, what's the most appropriate thing to do about this task I've got in front of me? If it's not me that's going to do it, should I hire someone to do it? Should I, and then delegate it to them? Should I outsource it to a third party. So I just give them the headache and they just have to report back to me when it's been done. Or do I automate it? And in this day and age with everything from ChatGPT to, to all sorts of APIs and low-code, no-code APIs, automation is simpler and easier, more accessible now than it's ever been before. Um, so it may well be that a lot of that stuff can be automated. Maybe well be it's a double task. Maybe it's, well, I'm going to outsource someone else. I'm going to outsource the task to someone else for them to automate it. That's fine too. But if you are not the most singularly, uniquely qualified person to do the task at hand, you shouldn't be doing it. It's a, it's a, a, uh, it's a concept that I call thinking inside the box. You have a box of things for which you are uniquely qualified. Stay in that box. Stay in your zone of genius and outsource, delegate, or automate everything else. That makes sense, but you bring up another point. You brought up chat GPT, so I'm going to take it uh, in this direction. Um, in what do you think of automation in terms of how does it impact your business? I think automation is fantastic. I, I, I love automation. Automation is great. Okay. Um, the it's okay. Sorry. I meant, I meant artificial intelligence. I said automation. I meant art of AI. Okay. But okay. The same answer really applies to both. Okay. Automation and AI are both tools that a business 
can and really should be using. However, um, like any tool, if it's overused, it will dilute what your business capabilities really are. Okay, and you don't want that. Okay, for example, um, every man and his dog is now using ChatGPT to do copywriting. Yeah. The problem is that when I see stuff that's clearly been written by ChatGPT or by Jasper or any other AI tool, okay, you can tell. Now, there's nothing wrong, in my opinion, of using ChatGPT to do a first draft and then you make the changes so it talks in your voice, okay, um, or it personalizes that email specific to that particular client or it writes that LinkedIn post or those, those uh, LinkedIn posts um, again, as a first draft, and then you kind of pick up the baton from there. But unfortunately, using AI, using automation, and overusing it can be very detrimental. For example, um, I get an awful lot of LinkedIn emails that are clearly not written by a human, okay? Um, and have no relationship whatsoever with me, who I am, what my business is, okay? Uh, in fact, I'll read one to you right now, okay? One that I got Perfect. yesterday that has absolutely no, um, has no bearing on me. It was clearly, clearly written by a, uh, uh, by either a bot or by somebody that just, you know, wants it. Okay, here we are. Um, hi. I'm currently looking for talent and partners suitable for a project that I'm working on. I'm impressed by your experience and achievements. Can we get in touch? I know that, my God. All right. So that was uh, that was a, that, that was really impressive. Okay, and so many others that uh, that that were just the same that I could I could read. But I I won't sully this lovely broadcast uh, with it. But so many of them that, that were just that are just like that, where it's clearly automated. It's clearly there's been no thought into it. Just and and there are the, I'm sure you also get them of uh, oh yeah hey John um, I'm sure like me you're really interested in uh, in in accounting and and taxonomies um, would you like you know can we jump on a call first of all what the heck's accounting and a taxonomy and what on earth would I have any relevance to that okay and um, B why would I just jump on a call with someone that's just sent me a random in mail with no connect without any desire to make a connection. That for me is the biggest problem with automation, ChatGPT uh, and, and and AI, not specifically ChatGPT, but any AI when it's overused and people yeah. use it as a as a substitute rather than a tool with which they enhance their business activities. Well, my favorite one that I get is the uh, I can help your real estate clients secure financing for their home purchase. In other words, mortgages. Now, if they bother to do the research and not just type in, you know, random uh, text for a real estate agent, they would realize I'm dual licensed and I have a mortgage license as well. So why would I need them? Right, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I get the same thing. Hey, Simon, <laughs> um, uh, we're a recruitment company based in wherever. Uh, we can help your client. We can help um, you find people for your clients. Well, that's kind of what I do, you know. So, yeah. thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's a lack of research, and that's where I find the issue. So, it's going back to what you're talking about, right? They take a couple of key points from you, and they don't read the rest of it, and they dump that into AI. And sometimes, for AI, could help them get the the right point, but they miss the rest of it, which ends up contradicting what they want. Absolutely. And it's interesting, you know, talking about real estate, real estate is, I've got four or five close friends that are realtors, 
right? And they experience that roller coaster as uh, probably more acutely than, and they're at the sharp end of that more acutely than most other people I know. Okay, especially now. Absolutely, right? And and um and like the the troughs are deeper than the than the climbs, right? And uh and they they find this, you know, and and it all comes down to um the desire, or let's be honest, otherwise, um to do new business prospecting. Okay, and it and, and very often here's what happens. And you tell me your your realtor. You tell me whether this this resonates with you. Okay, so I come in on a morning and I realize crap. I've got nothing in the uh, in, in in the pipeline, right? Or my my appointment book is looking blank for the next few days. So I'm gonna just prospect like a madman. Prospect, 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 prospect. Call every old lead to see if they're ready again. Do a whole bunch of mail outs, a whole bunch of emails, a whole bunch, a whole bunch, a whole bunch of all the different lead generation activities I could ever hope to know, right? Yep. And then, surely, you know, within a few days, the phone starts to ring, the email starts to come in, things start to happen. I'm like, great. And then, what's the first thing I stop doing? Stop doing prospecting, right? Yes. And then, because it's great, I'd have to do that because I'm really busy over here and I'm busy, busy, busy doing all this other stuff. And some of it will come to fruition, some of it won't. It's just the nature of the funnel. Some falls out, some stays in, right? And eventually, 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 business comes in. It's great. I've closed the deal. I'm getting a commission check. Amazing. And then we get to a few days later, a week or two later, and it's like, hang on, I'm going through my appointment book i'm looking at my outlook calendar and there's nothing in it again yeah it's that vicious cycle and that's that's very common story with uh, most realtors which is also believe it or not why 80 percent of realtors pretty much do zero to one transaction a year and uh you know most of the business is done by 20 percent of the people and out of that 20 percent 15 percent are making a living which still means they go through the up and downs um 80 do zero to one which basically means even what they're doing isn't working uh five percent are generating the wealth and those are the ones that have a consistent pipeline because they have consistent work whether they do it themselves or they have uh, you know somebody doing it for them or they just grow a big enough team that uh it continues the cycle whichever whatever the reason it's usually five percent that does that well let me tell you it's breaking to the five percent okay if i may be so bold absolutely okay? a portion a minimum or well, i would say a minimum i would say a portion between 30 and 60 minutes every single day every day to lead generation and it doesn't matter whether you are the busiest guy in the block or you've got nothing going on okay yep. even if your day is busy 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 you have a golden hour it doesn't matter when it is but you have a golden hour that you never, ever, ever don't do, okay? You put it in your calendar as if it's a meeting with the queen. Sorry, the king, okay? You have that every single day, and it doesn't matter what time it is, and if necessary, you can move it. Ideally, don't, but you, you know, but if you need to, you can move it, but that's in, on your schedule. Between this time and this time is my business development activity. And the last, say, 10, 15 minutes of it, is preparation time for tomorrow's. So you're not coming in and going, crap, what do I do? Okay. You're coming in going, oh, the John of yesterday was kind enough to leave me with these nuggets to work on. Maybe they are, I don't know, news articles, maybe it's people to call, emails to send, you know, whatever it is, right? Whatever's appropriate to your to your world, right? So you're doing 15 minutes, uh, so you've got 45 minutes based off of the 15 minutes that you did yesterday, some of which you'll, you might have to do from you, but then the last 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 
you're preparing for tomorrow. And you've always got that chain, okay? And you never, ever, ever don't do it. Every day you're doing it. And that way, every day, you will have business development activity so that every day you'll be having the fruits of that business development activity, okay? Here's the thing that people forget, all right? If you want to have consistent leads coming in, you need to have consistent business activity going out, all right? And if the reason why you have an empty uh, an empty appointment book today, it's not because of anything you did today or yesterday. It's because of what you did two weeks ago or last week, all right? So if you want to have consistent lead generation, the key thing is to have consistent lead generation activity. It's that simple. John, I'm giving you all the gold here. I'm giving you all the gold. Yeah, it makes total sense. I absolutely love that. Now, which brings up another point I'm going to get into with uh, in terms of follow-up, right? Like, I'll give you a scenario what happens, and you tell me if this if you found this relatable, you know, with the, some of the people you deal with. is a lot of times somebody will call, as an example, they'll call once or twice, they don't get a hold of the person, they just give up on them, never call them again. Sometimes, somehow, they'll try a third time once in a blue moon. They get a hold of the person, and it's like, oh, glad you called. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking of selling, but... I'm going to wait for the spring, you know, so like, give me a call back in about four or five months. And then what happens is there's no actual follow-up until the five months. And then sometimes what happens is you look at the MLS and behold, that person's house is on the market. And what ends up happening is I always attribute to the fact that the person showed you interest and you failed to keep in touch. It's like the lack of follow-up, it seems to be rampant out there. The key in that situation is nurture. All right. So, you know, we talked about the 8% versus the 92%, the, the iceberg, what people call the iceberg effect. Okay. Yeah. There are only, on average, obviously it's going to change industry by industry, but on average, 8% of your total addressable market is, is ready to buy from you right now. Okay. Even if you have the perfect solution to their problem, the perfect outcome to their pain, you have the Tylenol to their headache. Only 8% are ready to buy right now. The other 92% are not ready yet. Okay? So, how are you going to address that 92%? How are you going to address almost 12 times the market? You're looking at one thirteenth of the market is ready now. How are you going to address the other 12 thirteenths? Okay? How are you going to do it? It's very simple. When someone says to you, and you've qualified out, these people are exactly right for me, but they're just not right now. They may be ready next week, next month, next quarter, six months' time, next year. You have to put them in a nurture sequence. They have to hear from you at least every couple of weeks by email. Okay? So, yeah, John, um, I'm really uh, I'm really glad you called. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, we were actually thinking of selling, but you know what? Kids have just gone back to school, so... Probably we've probably missed the cycle for this year, but why don't we talk in April of next year so that we can all be sold up by the by the time the kids finish school, and then we can do a move during uh, during July. Okay. Yep. Now, if you don't call them till March, first of all, you're relying on them remembering who the heck you are, right? And John, you're very memorable. That's a long time for someone to remember you if they've only spoken to if you've only spoken to them once or twice. All right. And second of all, you're also running the, you're playing Russian roulette that someone else has called them and has stamped them up, you know, a week or two before you did. All right. So what do you do? You say, okay, Mr. Mrs. Customer, it's not a problem at all. You know what? I've actually got some really cool resources that I think will be helpful for you to know. Right now, 
just as you're starting to get into the mindset of thinking about maybe moving. All right, so can I take your email address? Fine, why don't I just send you an email every couple of weeks, and then as you get closer and closer to the date you're looking to, to sell, these might be uh, useful emails for you, uh, for you to read, okay? Oh, great, John, that's, that's fantastic, thank you so much, right? You put them into your email sequence, all right? And the first bunch of emails are, hey, you're not gonna be selling for a while, but here are the things that you might wanna start thinking about. What states you wanna move in, different, you know, different states, different cities, do you wanna stay in the same city, right? And then as they get closer and closer, the uh, things that are more relevant, how are you gonna know if a, re a, real, uh, a realtor is the right realtor for you? Here's a checklist, okay? Download this checklist, have a look at it, okay? Here's a really cool podcast that I heard that talks about some of the challenges that people aren't aware of before they move that they wish they would have known, okay? You're just providing them value, 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 all right? And here's the thing. If you use a simple email tool, okay, what you can do is have them going to the beginning of a, of a, of a nurture, of a nurture sequence, and that nurture sequence can be 100 emails long, okay? Which means that they go in now, all you do, and again, this is, John, I'm giving you all the gold. All you do is <laughs> you map out, right? Take a, just take a spreadsheet, uh, take, no, take a, a, a Google sheet, just map out, right, okay, I wanna write 10 minutes, you write, they say six or seven problems that most people encounter when they're selling that, when they're moving house, right? I'm gonna write a bunch of, okay, and within those, all right, I've got seven problems, right? Problem number one, right? I can write about that, 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 and that. Okay, fine, two, three, four, right. Now I've mapped out maybe 50 emails that I can write. Fine, I'm gonna write more now. I'm gonna write four now. I'm gonna go to a Starbucks, get a coffee, and just write four emails, bang. Right, that's email one, two, three, and four, fine. Then I'm gonna set my sequence that once a week they get an email. So someone that, that I say, oh, can I take your email address? Or hey, just click on this link, whatever. It takes them to the beginning of the sequence, okay? Then next week I'm gonna write another four emails. The week after another four emails. The week after another four emails, okay? You can write four emails in a couple of hours, or if not, you can find someone on Fiverr that'll do it for 50 bucks, all right? And they'll use ChatGPT to do, to, to, to do mm -hmm. the first draft for you, right? Then after five or six weeks, you've written 30 emails. That's six months worth of emails, all right? And then what it means is that when three months down the line, you call up and you go, hey, Brian, hey, Phyllis, um, just checking in. Oh, John, your emails, we get them every, they're amazing. You've been so, you know, you've been so amazing with us. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm just checking in. We still are, we're still on course for a, for uh, you know, if you're looking to uh, sell your house in, uh, in 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 April, yeah, 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 give us a call in April, fine, okay. But then when you call them again in January, yeah, yeah April, yeah, uh, you know what? Maybe I should get together with you in like six weeks. Let, let, let's maybe you know go out for a coffee after Valentine's Day, see where where you're at. You know, they're yeah. be much more receptive because you've been keeping in touch with them, and most of that keeping in touch has been automated, most of it, because you've written all these emails, you've put them in an email engine, and yeah, okay, you can also build in the certain the, the, some certain emails will come um, that are, if you like, time appropriate. Hey, did you see this on the Oscars last night? Hey, and, and they'd be in a separate thing. That's that would that would be what we would call the broadcast. Everybody gets the same email, but others, you know, if I join the email sequence today, in six weeks' time, I'll be on email number six. Someone who joins in six weeks' time, the day I'm getting email number six, they you me getting email number one. Okay, but as long as you're nurture, if you know, right? Okay, we're gonna have say. The average time it takes from when I first talk to somebody to set for them to say, yeah, we're thinking about it, but it's not going to be for X amount of time. Say the maximum is a year. Just try 50 right, right. emails. Try 50 emails. And that'll take you, what, a month? But it doesn't, need, it doesn't need to take any longer. It doesn't need to take any less than that because you're putting somebody in an email today 
they get email number one. They're not getting email number two for another week, email number three for another week, email four for another week. So if you're writing four or five emails a week, four or five emails a month, as long as you're writing a minimum of four emails a month, you're staying ahead of the game. That's it. And that's how you nurture it. Simple enough. Love that answer. Thank you. So with that being said, I'm going to move into uh, the last couple of questions before I go into what I call the lightning round. Okay. In light of time. Exciting. Is uh, second last question is going to be, how do you know you've had a successful day? How do you know you've had a successful day? Well, okay, first of all, um, I measure success by have I moved the needle on something, okay? I have metrics on everything, okay? We have metrics by week. I just simply divide them by seven. So every single thing I have a metric for, I want to know, have I done a seventh of my weekly metrics today, okay? My first boss, amazing guy called Mark, Mark Bridges, Okay, if you're looking for a recruiter in England, go look him up. Mark with the C Bridges. He's amazing. Okay, taught me a lot of what I know. Um, he used to say, having a successful year is very easy. Just have four successful quarters. How do you have a successful quarter? It's very easy. Just have three successful months. How do you have a successful month? It's very easy. Just have a successful week. So have four successful weeks. How do I have a successful week? It's very easy. Have five successful days. Okay, just break it down. Or to put it another way, there's no Chinese proverb. Okay, how can you... <laughs> How can, you eat, how can you eat an elephant? It's very simple. Do it in bite-sized chunks. So take your metrics for the month and divide it by 20, or your metrics for the week and divide it by five. That's simple. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm all about the numbers. John, I'm all about the numbers. And the numbers. It's got to be about numbers. I love and, that. And you know why I like it so much? Because numbers don't lie, okay? Yeah, exactly. One is always, always half of two, and two is always half of four. doesn't matter what the weather is like. doesn't matter what the... You know, who got out of bed the wrong way, what people's moods are like, numbers. Doesn't matter who's never. in the government, exactly. the numbers are the same. Exactly. Numbers never lie. Yeah, I believe in that philosophy as well. I mean, it's, a, it's or principle, should I say, not philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> so love that. Love that. Now, last but not least, for people who've watched the interview and want to know more about you and want to reach out to you, where would they go? Okay, so the best place to go. The best place to go is to our Facebook group, uh, which is www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash scale, share, monetize, scale, share, monetize. You can go to flowandscale.com, but I'll just take you to the same place, which is all the W's, sorry, which is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash scale, because we want to scale our businesses, share, because we want to share our messages, and monetize because we want to monetize our time. So facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash scale, share, monetize. Fantastic. Now I'm ready for the uh, lightning uh, round, which is going to be a bunch of fun question. It's going to be so much fun. Let's do it. So, all right. So question number one, which may be obvious, what is your favorite food and why? So it may be obvious because it's going to be my uh, obvious (laughs) that I like food. <laughs> my favorite food is uh, a PB and J sandwich. You can never go wrong with a PB and J. That's so simple. Simple as that. Quick yeah, yeah. Favorite travel spot and why? Oh wow. Okay, fine. So, um, one of my favorite places in the entire world is so my mum lives in Ashkelon, which is a town in the south of Israel, and uh, the beach in Ashkelon at night on the boardwalk. Uh, whenever I'm there, I, if I'm either there just myself visiting my mom or I'm there with my family, um, I go out of her apartment. I walk for about five minutes across the street, just down by the promenade, and I sit and I just watch the sea rolling in from the rocks. It's the most incredible place. 
it may not be the prettiest place in the world. I'm sure, you know, the hanging gardens of Babylon and Ayers Rock <laughs> and the Grand Canyon are on other people's lists. But for me, just sitting there, that serenity, I can be, I can sit there at two o'clock in the morning and it's the most amazing place. There's a, a particular kind of um, sort of breeze block that I sit on. It's like a big kind of square block that separates the boardwalk from the street. It's like a, so the cars don't kind of go into the seat by mistake. And I sit on the very last one that's just near where the rocks are there protecting the marina. And it's just the most amazing place. I love that place. Fantastic. All right. Question number three is going to be favorite podcast or book and or book. Okay. Favorite podcast is, well, of course, alongside this one. Alongside um, this one, of course. Alongside this one. But my favorite podcast is The Conference Room, which is it's my podcast. It's called The Conference Room or The Conference Room with Simon Lader. Um, and the reason why it's my favorite isn't just because I'm on it, but it, it, because it's given me the opportunity to talk to and interview the most incredible people who have shared their insights um, into how to grow a business. And I've had the most incredible, incredible conversations with people about everything from legal to email marketing to um, to growing business through Facebook groups to um, interviewing to sales to uh, you name it okay I've had the chief marketing officer of the third of the, the company that was the fastest to go from startup to a billion dollar valuation it's a company called Axonius I had the chief marketing officer he came onto the podcast I've had um, a whole bunch of CEOs. I've had the managing partner of um, of one of the most influential cybersecurity VC companies. Uh, I've had just the most incredible, incredible guests that have come on and shared their value with me and enabled me to share that with our 50,000, 60,000 um, listeners, which has been an amazing, amazing um, experience. It's a real blessing and a gift and one that I'm very, very happy to be able to share. So it's called The Conference Room. Go check it out. Perfect. Okay. And um, then I'm going to ask you something that uh, that I thought of is where, what is your favorite, like, where, if, what am I trying to say here? <laughs> your favorite place to invest? In my family. Time is the one resource we never get back. Okay. I've got a 19-year-old who is uh, who's going on his gap year and uh, he's going in two weeks time. And I, I don't know whether you have kids or how old your kids are if you do. But it doesn't seem five minutes ago that I was just kind of bouncing him on my knee as a newborn. And uh, you have no idea how quickly the time goes. So my favorite thing to invest is time because it's the one commodity that is not renewable. Um, my favorite place to invest it is with my family. Love that. Love that. It makes sense. And, and I agree with you. That's the one resource we can never replenish. Yeah. So... All right. Uh, last but not least is going to be if you had unlimited amount of money, but you had 48 hours to spend it, what you spend, you get to keep what you don't spend gets taken away. What would you do? Um, I would spend it on, I would spend it on probably metals. Okay. High value metals, gems, that kind of thing. Okay. Because now, 40 hours later, I've spent it on all these things. These are all high-value things. They're very easily transportable, okay? Um, and I would then, I don't know if this is a cheat, like asking the genie for three more wishes, but I would then take those things, I would liquidate them, and I would invest them in uh, in probably a very wide, um, diversified portfolio. But the one thing I am not 
is a financial advisor. So I would uh, certainly uh, uh, obtain the uh, the expertise of someone who is. Again, because I'm not the most uniquely qualified person to do it, I would delegate or outsource it to someone who could. Makes sense. Love that. All right, Simon, thank you so much for being on the uh, show. John, it's such a pleasure. It's great. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great being able to share all these tips. I hope it added value to your listeners. Oh, it was fantastic. It was uh, very detailed. And uh, of course, if anybody wants to reach out, um, join me in the group, um, Scale, Share, Monetize. So facebook.com forward slash Scale, Share, Monetize. Come hear me on the conference room. And of course, find me on LinkedIn or find me on Facebook and uh, buy me reach out. But yeah, it'd be great to chat to people. Thank you. Fantastic. If you like what you saw and you want to see some more, subscribe to the link below.